Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and thank you for joining us. This is a program put together by ministers in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm not alone here in Cord Purgatory. Of course, I have with me co-host Amanda Sparrow. Yes, I'm here uh, apparently with two books, uh, KJV and uh, the hymnal. Yes, the Church of the Nazarene hymnal there, oh, Sing yes. to the Lord in its proper color. Yes. <laughs> brown. Send us your pitchforks, those of you who have the other colors of this. There's some that are like a navy bluish color. Pitchforks to uh, 6186 Eaton's Creek Road, Jolton, Tennessee. Also with us is Anthony, who is doing more and more production. I've also got a hymnal with me. And aside from that, my watch of the day is the Blue HMT Pilot. It's 17 joules. And I will say, you can pick these up for the price of lunch on eBay. And it's definitely well worth it if you are looking for something. And now... I will have to step in here because I told Anthony, I think it'd be cool if we could have people send us something like, send us your watch and Bible or maybe a clock and Bible. A lot of people look at some of the watches we have and say, oh, those are posh, so rich. And when Anthony says it's the price of lunch, a lot of people might think that that's a posh and rich thing too. You mind you eating a $150 lunch? <laughs> no. These are watches. And even with the HMT that Anthony has there that you can buy for like seven bucks on eBay. The ones we had last week, one of them was a Swiss watch, and I can't remember the other one, but they were both 7 bucks on eBay, roughly. I know the one I'm wearing right now was bought for a few dollars. Well, back to this picture. You can see that it's nicely pictured on the New Interpreter's Bible, which I was just going to say, not to name names, but it might be better than one of the study Bibles that Amanda <laughs> was holding up earlier. And, and send your pitchforks and put attention, Anthony Alegria, <laughs> over rating out which Bible is better than others. Because that brings us back to this. And if you can see here, I have this King James Version. When I came into the studio today, this was in here. And there's always rumors of like church spooks and things like that. I don't, I don't know how much credence I give to that, but I have no idea where this came from. Um, perhaps the fundamentalists who think that the King James just magically descended. manifested, uh, descended from heaven. <laughs> Evidently, I've been wrong all along. They do just descend from heaven because this one descended for us today. And I know Amanda was taking notice of some of the things on the cover with it. And it, it proves that we were wrong time and time again. It's the finest study Bible ever, according to its, itself. <laughs> and just so we can really get the pitchforks coming, Anthony... There's a picture of a bird that truly captures um, some of the theology of, of, well, we'll just show you this and let you think of a, a screen preacher reading from the King James. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can follow me on J. Dillon, and Twitter at J. Dillon Proctor. And again, pitchforks to 6186 Eaton's Creek Road, Jolton, Tennessee. Coming full circle, I the older I get... The more I actually realize how beautiful and poetic the King James is, so I'm not here to beat up on the King James, I actually find that a lot of stuff, like the book of Jonah, is extremely poetic, where God is asking him, you know, is it right for you to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Those sort of things. It's beautifully poetic language. But anyways, Amanda, what are we talking about today? All right, so this is podcast 66, uh, which is fun in itself. But anyways, and remember uh, to subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook. Today we will be talking about the three self-patriotic -patri movement in China and a church that was discovered underwater. Later we will have a devotional on the divided soul and then we'll play hot knot or sanctified. Yep, so let's start with the fun articles. And if you'd like to support our podcast, the best thing you can do is share our content with others. Just click that little share button right below the video. It'll do wonders for us. If you want to donate monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos. Alrighty, so the fun article for today is where I want us to start. And this was with a church that was found underwater. 
Now, we've got some pictures here for you to look at. It really is quite captivating. This was a basilica from the 4th century, somewhere around the year 390, give or take. I'm not sure we have an exact date for this, and I'm always skeptical whenever people give exact dates for such things. I'm not sure that anyone really knows. But around the year 390, in Odomini, the year of our Lord, this basilica was founded there in the region of Nicaea. Now, if you're familiar with the Nicene Creed, which is found in the Nazarene hymnals, I think all of us are good Nazarenes here. Yes. Do we all have our hymnals? Yep. There are people who say a good Nazarene should carry two things with them, a Bible and a hymnal. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that wisdom as well. Anyways, back to this church found underwater. So beautiful pictures here. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, check it out. It's at livescience.com. Photos of ancient basilica found beneath Turkey Lake is the name of the article. And essentially, you can see this from the water. It's not something which really needs any photo editing. It's not deep under the water. This happened as a result of an earthquake. An earthquake happened somewhere in the 8th century, somewhere around 750, 740. Well, since we have the church history porpoise, why don't we cut over to him? I know we called in on Skype earlier, and let's see if we can find out what he knows about this. I mean, he's an underwater creature. Maybe he knows something about a church underwater. With us now is the Church History Porpoise. Uh, thank you for joining us again on the phone. Yes. Well, you know, there was a church found just recently underwater in the lake near Nicaea, and we thought that might be of interest for you. Oh, surely the Lord will make good on his promise. And when he does, dig up my bones and carry me with you into the promised land, a land flowing with salt water, fresh water, tiny bits of food, where all of creation is underwater and every righteous dolphin can freely travel from the waters below to the waters above. Oh, uh, that was odd. Uh, that was a strange take on Joseph's last word found in Genesis 50. Uh, maybe you added some more in there too. A anyways, um, I, I get that you're mostly bones now, but are you interested in this underwater church in Nicaea? Do you by chance have any extra oh, yes, information yes. about it? Yeah. The Nicaean Creed. Mm -hmm. I remember now. You all are my students. This is my classroom. Oh, God bless you young people. Yeah. Well, actually, we're not your students. We're just here having a What am a I doing? Where am I? We're just having a phone conversation. You know, maybe we should end the phone call Wait. here. But um, Where's my tonic water? <laughs> we'll learn more about the Nicene Creed later. Yes, how wonderful it is to have the church history of Porpoise around, though he doesn't teach much church history. We're going to have to get him on for that. Anyways, as good Nazarenes with our hymnals, let us all come together and let's read the Nazarene, or excuse me, the Nicene Creed. almost said the Nazarene Creed. Again, the pitchforks are coming. Anyways, so yes, we're going to be in page 14 in our hymnal here, and it says as follows. Let us all read together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate, by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again 
with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy universal apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Any thoughts on this porpoise, though? What do y'all do you think about that and going back to the whole underwater church? Would that be something y'all like to do? A work and witness trip there? Go back and check it out? <laughs> to the underwater church. I don't know. I guess I could snorkel around, figure that out. <laughs> it looks like it's pretty shallow. Yeah. It, it actually is something which is pretty cool. Anthony, do you want to see it in person? I will say maybe seeing it wouldn't be as cool, but Amanda's idea of snorkeling around there, that would actually be really cool to get down in there and, like, you know, touch it and stuff. Oh, no touch. No, <laughs> look, actually, no look or touch. No look or touch for you? Look, no. All right. I, I, it tears me up man-made things underwater. I'm not getting in that right now, but the thought of touching that, I think I think that would just kill me. There's um, a really creepy Jesus statue near the Keys that I snorkeled around. I do understand that. Like, statues underwater, that's, like, the stuff of nightmares. I can, I can agree with you on that side of it. <laughs> yes. Anyways... Send us your comments. Would you like to take a work and witness trip to an underwater church? Rebuild it. Would you have a church service there in the snorkeling? We'll see. <laughs> we'll be back here in a second to talk about the three self patriotic movement, which is the church in China. And when I say church in China, I'm not talking about the missionaries that are there doing work or the underground family churches that are grassroots in China. I'm talking about the official state run sanctioned church. It's kind of a spooky thing and there's a lot of bad things going on with it. So we'll be there in a moment. Church History Dog is at the pulpit. But do you remember when Church History Dog talked to Angela Marici? Let's go back to that conversation. Dog must ask, why did you build institutions yourself and not just vote the right people into office to do your virtuous work for you? Wouldn't that have been easier, Angela Marici? No, even though being involved in what's going on around us is important, our responsibilities do not just start and stop with electing political leadership. We must endeavor in everything we do to help others. You know, I remember when I looked around at the poor and impoverished children around me. I didn't wait to elect somebody. I didn't wait for someone else to do anything. I started a place for them to come and to be educated. Well then, Angela Marici, would you say that salvation does then not come from the government? No, of course not. No, no, ladies and gentlemen, salvation does not come from the government. Remember to find Kingdom of the Logos on YouTube. Click subscribe and hit the bell. Let's talk about the Three Self Patriotic Movement, which is the official sanctioned church in China. Now, this is something you may have heard a little bit about, and you may not have heard much about it at all, but it's something we really need to be talking about, especially in the time frame we're at now. The time of this video, it's September of 2018, and the church in China is under heavy persecution from the Chinese government. Yes, the government-run church is under persecution from that same government. And let's just talk about this, because it's something which, again, it's really ambiguous, but there's some really bad things going on. Currently, the government is coming in. They're taking crosses down. They're taking away Bibles. They're confiscating the images of Jesus and replacing them with 
pictures of President Xi, and just bad things are going on. So let me tell you a little bit about the history of the Three Self Patriotic Movement, and then we'll have a discussion about all of this. So the Three Self Church is how the Three Self Patriotic Movement is known in sort of common language. It's just the Three Self Church. And you hear the name like Three Self, you might think something akin to the Trinity, but that's not what it means at all. In fact, it means self-support, self-governance, and self-propagation. And even that, on its surface, may not seem that bad until you think about it for more than two or three seconds, and then you realize there's something a little bit dubious even within that name. Because the church is entirely designed to be run internally. And by run internally, we don't mean that it's a functioning, nice little church in your local community, but we mean that it excludes anything from the rest of the kingdom of God. It doesn't want any influence from history. It doesn't want any influence from tradition or external theology. It wants to be self-contained and cut itself off from the rest of the world. And now, as we look at church history, it's always bad whenever sects of Christianity want to cut themselves off from the rest of the world. But it is especially bad when you have a government that is doing that and it's not being exactly honest about its motives. So this church, the Three Self Church, it emerged in the 1950s. It was officially founded in 1951. It resulted as a work of some missionary work there in China, but it evolved into something which was very different from missionary work. In fact, it's completely eradicated the really missional emphasis that is found there within the gospel. And it is now designed in such a way that it doesn't want any foreign influence at all, one way or another. It doesn't want to be going out. It doesn't want to be coming in. Now, a few things about the Three Self Church. It's a government-run institution, which means the government controls the scripture, the government controls the messages which are preached, and the government has the ability to edit the material anywhere. It started in 1951, the church actually flourished for a while until 1966. Now that's when the Cultural Revolution was happening there in China, and it was actually outlawed for 13 years. So the government did away with its own official church, and 13 years later, it was allowed to come back. And the reason why is really important. The church in China has been persecuted by the Chinese government for some time now. However, the church in China has not been thwarted by the government. Time and time again, the leaders there have said, we're going to eradicate the gospel from this land. They've always been unsuccessful, and we, at this moment, need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are carrying on the work of ministering to others in that land. There's a lot of new Christians in China, and there's a lot of young ministers in China, and they are under intense stress. Well, let's talk back about why the church has been opened and reopened this official church. When they closed it in 1966, it was again for the purpose of saying no more Christianity in China. However, they found that they could not really squash it. They couldn't do away with the home churches and the family churches. So in the 1970s, they said, well, we got to be on front of this so that we can actually have some control in it. It's really a clever way of having control of things. You sort of embrace it and say, oh, we're open to this. We love it and we accept it, except that's not really true. They were trying to seize the reins of power yet again. So in the 1970s, the church was reopened and it had been flourishing for quite some time. We don't know how many people are members of the Three Self Church in China, but we do know that it's somewhere between 38 to maybe 50 million and it's probably growing tends to be that whenever the church is persecuted, it still grows. But the current president of China, President Xi, has said that it is his personal mission to eradicate the gospel from China. And this includes tearing down crosses, and we have some photos of this. And they're rather disturbing. It means tearing down crosses, closing down chores, sealing them up. The churches have been ordered to take down their crosses. They've been 
toil to destroy their photos and their images of Jesus that they may have. Any sort of iconography is to be taken down. And any church that doesn't comply with this is having its doors sealed shut. They want all the photos of Jesus to be replaced with photographs of President Xi. And all of this is very interesting. It's very horrifying as well because it's very difficult for this to to be overcome, especially if you're a local Christian there in China, maybe you're new to the faith, you don't really understand all the intricacies of doctrine. It's a bad situation. But the last statement I want to bring up about this before we have our conversation is the official statement of faith from the three self movement. The official statement of faith opens up with the statement that the Chinese church takes the contents of the entire Bible, the Apostles Creed and the Nicene Creed as the foundation of our faith. Now, earlier we were reading the Nicene Creed. We've talked a little bit about editing the Bible before. The Chinese government says that it's not doing this, but it is doing this. It edits the Bible immensely. And again, it doesn't really seem that it takes the Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed to heart. There are a lot of people in our world who say, well, oh, they say they're not doing it. How could they be doing it? Well, people lie a lot. The narrative that people have may not actually be true. Amanda, Anthony, what do y'all think about this situation in China? Again, these photos that have been made are recent. This is 2018. At the time we're sharing this with you, the church is seriously being cracked down on in China, and we must be remembering our brothers and sisters in prayer. Amanda? Yes, uh, well, I think, one, it's really easy for us to distance ourselves from what's happening, uh, especially some, you know, it's a different part of the world. Um, it's not something that immediately impacts us um, kind of directly. And, and so it's, it's easy to kind of distance ourselves and feel sad about it, but it really this has been the story of the people of god for for centuries is that when you proclaim a gospel uh, of that christ is king which is actually one of the first um creeds of the church in the early church before the apostles creed before the nicene creed there was just a simple statement that said like christ is king christ is lord and when you say that what you're also saying is that all those other governments and structures and people in power are not king they are not lord um so when you so when this gospel is proclaimed you're going to face obviously some persecution and for us in america in the united states we, we again we can distance ourselves because we say well we have religious freedom and also are you know the the un apparently um anyways um is supposed to guarantee that all countries are supposed to have these basic human rights and so we're like well we're just supposed to everyone you know it's 2018 how come not everyone has basic human rights haven't we evolved past this as as uh as human beings and, and the truth is we haven't um that there's still great evil in the world and we can't bury our heads in the sand and say everything's okay but we have to look at this and then say what can we do to combat evil in our world and like i can't say that we need to go all semper tyrannus on this but there has to be a response and a very active one and it is, it's not a cop-out to say that that begins and ends with prayer. On the phone with us is Tradesman Tyler to give us his thoughts on what's going on in China. Tyler, is there anything that comes to your mind when we see the modern persecution of the church there in China by the, the government? Yeah, it, it really sounds like what's happened in history before. Uh, we've had several civilizations or, uh, I guess, time periods uh, that really go in and just rip out the Christianity points and replace them with, um, I guess you could say, false idols uh, or, or idols that shouldn't even belong, like uh, like the Nazis. You know, they go through the schools that the kids were in and rip out all the Christian Christianity 
point of view and uh, replace them with either pictures of Hitler or Nazi symbols or, you know, something that's that's equating to uh, great evils during those time periods. Um, you know, even the I believe this happened with the Romans. Uh, they went in persecuted. They persecuted tons of Christians throughout their uh, time frame. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's this is actually a sign that very evil things are going on when a state is trying to make itself out to be God. And, well, thank uh, you for your thoughts I, on that, Tyler. Oh, no problem. I did have one more that just kind okay, of popped yeah. in. And and I'm not even sure if this can really relate, but uh, I'm not saying that this is happening here in the States, but it seems like uh, throughout the years of, of, of at least our childhood and growing up, pieces of Christianity were being chipped away in, in our school systems and actually, I guess, in our society as well. And it just seems like every year something else just keeps getting taken away and replaced by something that the state has provided. Yeah. And that, I think, is where a serious problem comes. It's when the state tries to replace things. So, Again, for some reason, people think governments are without flaw. If you vote the right person into office, then all your virtuous and charity work is done. But realistically, governments tend to be filled more with corruption than they do with virtue. Yeah, they, just, they, really, they really seem to like to put their hands in it, a little bit of everything. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think that if, if people can't, rise up a little bit and just put their foot down and try to stop them. They're going to do what they want to do, and it's going to continue down the path of total, uh, I guess, totality. Total, excuse me. I have a problem with that word. I can't say it. Totalitarianism. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. I couldn't get that other syllable out. Well, that's my, uh, that's my thoughts on that topic, guys. All right. Well, thanks so much, Tyler. The Division of the Soul. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, and it's time for a devotional from people who make things out of Kydex. I want us to discuss how the world can pull us in different directions, how our soul, our very mind, can be divided. There are things which want us to move towards sin and the sinful nature, and then there's also the conviction towards the Christ-likeness and the transformation which comes from the Holy Spirit. How can we chart a stable and holy life when our souls and minds are so differently pulled? When we are created in the image of God, we know that God has a purpose for us. But yet something has happened. The human condition, it has fallen from its intended purpose, and sin has entered the picture. I want us to discuss two different sides of our minds and souls using two stories from history. The side of the mind and soul which reflects the image of God will be represented by a girl named Faith. And the fallen sinful nature will be represented by some monks. A long time ago, in the 3rd century world of Rome, there was a young Christian girl named Faith. She was arrested for her adherence to Christianity and was persecuted by the Roman government. They tortured her, the Roman government did, in an attempt to have her forfeit her faith. And yet, this young girl, whose name was Faith, did not. Because she took the call of the gospel very seriously for what it was, her mind and her soul was not confused about the morality which she should apply in her life. She wanted Christ-likeness even though it would make her a martyr, and it did, and her bones were preserved in the church and made into relics. Her soul, we look at this lady, Faith, her mind, her body, her very existence, it understood that there are different things in life which will pull us. There's the temptation to involve yourself in sin. There's the temptation to give up one's faith when Rome is persecuting you, but she never did. She instead pursued Christ-likeness all the way to the end. Now let's contrast Faith's story with some people who did something with her bones. Now, moving in forwards in time to the 9th century, 
there were some monks in Conques, France, who were upset that not many people visited their chapel. So they decided to steal the bones of St. Faith, the young girl martyred for her faith. And they used them to attract new visitors. If they could have the bones, they would have an attraction that would bring people in. They loved the church and they loved the culture of the church, but yet there was something missing. In an attempt to get people to come to church, they decided to go the path of the fallen state of humanity and result, resort to theft. Now, these two stories from church history remind us of how people can choose which side of the mind and soul to embrace. There are two facts. One, that the humanity that God created had a purpose. This humanity had a very, very important role as the image of God. But also, the second fact is this, that the same humanity that God had a purpose for ended up fallen. It fell into a state of sin, and as sin entered the picture, humanity was now in a place of perplexion, where it was in an eternal conflict, looking at the world around it, trying to decide who it could be and what it would do. Yet, our, our very beings were not intended for this pathway. God did not intend for our suffering to be in vain, but instead he decided that he would send his son, that he would send his only begotten son so that we could be made into something new. Moreover, our lives could be reoriented in such a way that this new order of life could move us beyond fleshly concerns. Even for those who believe in Jesus, we find that there are still many temptations in the world. There are things which will pull our mind and body in different directions. And yet, our soul, as it wants to indulge in the carnal nature, it is still called by the holiness and righteousness of God. This is why we must be constantly pursuing the Christ-likeness that Christ called us to in all areas of life. We must be made holy, and this holiness that we are called to is something real. It's not just a mere narrative. Galatians chapter 3 addresses this very issue, with Paul asking the question in verse 3 of chapter 3. He says, Are you so foolish, having been begun in the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? You see, Christ-like transformation is not something which is petty. It's not a mere narrative that we embrace and tout for the world. It is a reality which bleeds through all areas of life, permeating throughout our very existence. It's not a fantasy that we pretend to see in the world. It is not a narrative we talk about and hope that it appears if we talk about it in the right way. Instead, it is a reality, and we must treat it as a reality because it is a very real thing that the world pulls us in many directions. We must constantly be pursuing the Christ-like transformation that we have been called to. So my question for you is this. Who are you going to be? Are you going to accept the transformation into Christ-likeness and pursue holiness daily? What will it be? Church growth is so hard, everyone wants to go to that chapel a few towns over because it's got those fancy relics. Hmm, well, if we can't really find any of our own, we could always steal those. But steal the relics? Well, I'm a young man now, and if you send me over, as I have grown in age, I will also grow in rank. And at that point in time, I can steal the relics and bring them to this place. Hmm, that does sound pretty tempting. If we steal the relics, then people will come and visit us. I like this. This sounds like Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to steal relics to overcome the challenges of church growth. 
Remember to support your local church, and thank you for joining us online at Kingdom of the Lagos. All right, as we wrap up our program today, we're going to be doing Hot, Not, or Sanctified. This is a game where we look at different items from church history or maybe current theological issues. We just look at different items from our world around us and we decide whether they are positive theological inspirations or not. If we say hot, that means it's a good thing. If we say not, well, it means it's not. And if we say sanctified, we mean only God's sanctified judgment can rule. Now, I know in the Church of the Nazarene where we're a holiness people and we like to talk about sanctification, we might take the word sanctified to say that we're saying something is holy. That is not the case at all. We're saying the judgment must be sanctified. And that's where we're leaving it. Sort of the hold form there. And today we're going to be talking about Samson from the book of Judges in Judges 15, where he does something with foxes and fire. And it's not a internet browser that will cause irritation or anything like that. Nor is it a, a cryptid, the whole foxfire thing. And then we're going to be talking about a prayer from the book Shorter Christian Prayer. And then we're going to talk about holiness bow ties and hymnals and Bibles. And then maybe even the term evangelical there at the end. But let's jump right into this. So Samson and some foxes. So if you have a Bible, want to follow along, we're going to be reading Judges 15. If you don't have a Bible, just listen to this because it's an amazing story. The book of Judges has some awesome stuff in it. So let's read this. After some days... At the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go in to my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her. So I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes. Yes, he went and caught 300 foxes. And he took torches. And he turned them tail to tail, and he put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set a fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the stranding grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. And he went and struck them, hip and thigh with a great blow. And he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock of Edom. All right, gang. Hot, not a sanctified. How many people are immoral in this? Let's just start with that question. <laughs> I think, okay, so we were talking also earlier about how we regard, um, or many people regard Abraham um, as this, like, great uh, person in Scripture to emulate. And, and really, if we read the story of Abraham, that's not always the case. And, and, we, and so we kind of conclude it just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's good. Because in our scripture, there are examples of some pretty bad people. So It's telling us how not to live. Exactly. That's where the goodness comes from. Right. So, um, yes, um, the scripture revealing to us uh, the evils of, of the world and how we should not do that. So um, this is, yes, how many people in the story should we not emulate? I'm going to go with all of them. Uh, just all of the above. Just nope. Uh, Samson, the, the dad, the, the other Philistines, all of them. This is all like a huge not. Well, let's just put this in there. Say you get married and 
you know, things didn't go right at the wedding. You, you never really got to finish even the wedding feast and stuff. And before you, you're coming home, you've got it. You're newlywed. You're coming home. You're expecting your wife to be there. You find out that she's been given away to someone else. And your, your thought is, I'm going to go out and catch 300 foxes, which is insane in and of itself. Like some of the stuff that Samson does, tearing apart a lion, like who does that? And then it has the statement, like one would tear apart a lamb with their bare hands. You know, who does that? You know, I've, I've. Been been involved in cleaning animals before and and stuff of that nature, but who who does this with like their bare hands without tools while they're alive? That's another thing. Like who who's capable of this and goes out and catches foxes only to light them on fire? Amanda, what are you saying? Hot not or saying? Oh no, not not. <laughs> not Anthony. What are you saying? Um. I might say sanctified, but it's very hard to say. Go ahead uh, and say hot. I don't want to say hot, but I don't want to say not. And especially, all right, my favorite line here, this time, this specific time, I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines <laughs> when I do them harm. Oh, man, that's great, first of all. But in any case, and it the rest breaks of it, their leg in the end. I feel like <laughs> Hip if, and thigh, if it wasn't for, down. I feel like their motive might be okay, and then their execution of everything is bad, except for the father who gave the betrothed wife away that was a big no-no but everybody else i feel like they just way overreacted so i think i think i think lighting people on fire is an overreaction to this though lighting everybody's grain on fire is also in i don't know that's maybe a, a right reaction but it's i don't know that it, it it's not one that has a direct cause and effect like these people took my wife so i'm gonna light these people's stuff on fire I don't know. It's it's all crazy. I'm going to say it's hot and teaching us not what to do, though. I can definitely see the argument for saying not, but just to add some variety in there, I'm going to I'm going to say hot. It's it's an awesome story. Reading all of Samson is amazing. Well, and I, I think also when we read the story of the judges, they do become these bigger than life characters. Yes. Um and so all their actions are are bigger than life. Um and and obviously like this is speaking to a, a people who have been warring with the Philistines who have it, at times been conquered by the Philistines. So they're hearing something and they're like, "Yes, awesome. Their grain was destroyed by 400 foxes and torches." Um but yes, then you have to hear the part of where just the the great evil and brokenness that's involved. In On the phone with us to play Hot Not or Sanctified is Tradesman Tyler. Tyler, as we've talked about Samson and the foxes and the whole situation with the story of Samson, is anyone really righteous there? What are your thoughts? I really, I really believe that his parents are about the only ones that were probably totally righteous in this. I'm not sure if he's got, if he can lay claims to that or not after uh, you know slaying a thousand people with a donkey donkey's jawbone. Yes, that is quite the the oddity, which a lot of people want to compare Samson to. Hercules, but let me ask you this, Tyler. Is he more Hercules or is he more Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan the Barbarian? Total Conan. Total Conan? I'm, I'm, I'm sure he didn't throw, a, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't throw a witch in a fire. <laughs> if there was a witch thrown in a fire in the story of Samson, it would not be out of place. It would be in no. keeping with the sentiment oh, yeah. of Samson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally believe it'd probably be right on par with it. I really enjoyed that service the other day, man. It it really lightened the mood and uh, it it made my made me laugh a little bit. Not well, that I was I wasn't trying to take it serious, but man, it was it was pretty good. Yeah, nothing lightens the mood quite like any of the events in the story of Samson, whether it be ripping apart a lion with bare hands or catching three hundred foxes. I don't know about that, Tyler. Do you think you could catch three hundred foxes and tie tails 
together. I don't think I've ever just... seen more than three foxes. <laughs> They're kind of hard to come by. I'm not sure what uh, surplus depot store he ran up in to get those foxes, but uh, I, I haven't seen any like that. No, I, I don't think I could. I don't think I could, could catch Could you even take your two dogs? I know you've got a German Shepherd and a Husky. Could you tie a torch between their tails? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> No, that's yeah. I don't. I don't think I could do that with domesticated dogs, much less wild yeah. ones. All right. So, your thoughts, Tyler? Hot, not a sanctified. Samson and the foxes. I'm gonna go with sanctified. I'm gonna leave that up to somebody else to make that decision. All right. Next up on our list of hot, not a sanctified is a prayer, and it's very short. We actually posted this one online, and this is from the shorter book of prayer, and we've got it right here where you can see it if you would like to. It is a Catholic book, but at the same time, it's very fascinating. I have a lot of fun with it. And from the Ordinary Time series, we have this following alternative prayer from the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. And the alternative prayer reads as follows. Lord God of power and might, nothing is good which is against your will, and all is of value which comes from your hand. Let's pause right there and just examine that statement. And we'll actually end with the prayer right there. It's a little bit longer, but that opening statement is pretty awesome. What do we think about that? Hot, not a sanctified. Lord God of power and might, nothing is good which is against your will, and all is of value which comes from your hand. Hot, not a sanctified. I think it's just very simply a statement of of who God is, and then how that affects the world around us. So, I mean, obviously, it's it's a hot uh, theological inspiration. I think we have to. There's a lot in there that can get tricky. I think because some people would put their own interpretational spin on it. Like we'd have to define words like good and God's will and what comes from his hand and what we mean from all that. But that's really going down lots of different rabbit trails Um, or fox trails with torches. But anyways. Fox uh, trails with torches. (laughs) Hey, the fox tail with the torch will light the way down the the trail. So it'll be all right. But um, I think if we take it really for, for its intent and to call us to understand who God is and again, how God impacts the world, then it's very, uh, a hot theological inspiration. Anthony. Definitely hot, of course. I think it's um, it's very, very simple, straight to the point, and orthodox. So, All right, and Tradesman Tyler, on the question of this particular prayer, and let's give everyone a quick refresher on it. This prayer says, Lord God of power and might, nothing is good which is against your will, and all is of value which comes from your hand. What are your thoughts on this prayer, Tyler? Is it hot, not or sanctified? I'm going to say it's pretty hot. Yeah. I do too. One of the reasons I really like this prayer is, again, it suggests goodness originates outside of ourselves and that which is created by by God is is a value. Any other thoughts on that, Tyler, before we move on to the next topic? Um, Well, I can definitely say that uh, the morals that are taught, that are in the teachings, uh, they're actually, they're they're definitely a value. And if you look at some of the stuff going on, uh, pretty much anything that goes against the the teachings and and God's will are probably from a a, a worse standpoint than uh, that they're probably against him so mo- most of that stuff goes against him. All right, so let's move on to the next one, holiness bow ties. So last week we did a podcast called Church of the Nazarene podcast where we went over some things. Once a month we're going to be doing a podcast that's more like a list or something like that. I know we've done the X Files in the past and then we did or Bible stories which could be X Files. Last week we did the holiness movement in the Church of the Nazarene, though we never got to any of the conversations we had scripted. Today, holiness bow ties. What do we think about that? 
hot, not, or sanctified? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with sanctified and not because I don't want to have like a response to it other than <laughs> just because uh, there is um, somebody who I won't name, but it rhymes with history teacher at Trevecca um, who, who quite enjoys uh, holiness bow ties. Uh, so I'm not, it's not that I'm scared of him is why I'm saying sanctified, but I do think good sanctified judgment should be used whenever picking out any article of clothing, um, and I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Especially with bow ties, and I've said this many times, bow ties have a weird place on the dominance hierarchy. You don't want to be communicating the wrong things with the bow tie. You want to be communicating the right things. Now, if we can get back to the old holy tra holiness tradition where people look at it and they say, ah, this is the holiness preacher coming to not give us a hellfire brimstone message, but instead something which is the dangerous and entertaining god of the holiness movement, then yes, then that could be good. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say holiness culture, holiness bow tie culture, yes, hot. All right, Tyler, I know you're one who likes to wear French cuffs and dress well, but what are your thoughts on bow ties? Are bow ties cool or what are they? I, I find them interesting. I'm not even sure how really to tie one as uh, the one I've only ever worn was pre-tied, and um, I'm, I'm okay with admitting that. Uh, but I do like them. I, I would probably sport one if I had one. Well, my, my stance on bow ties is they have a weird place in the dominance hierarchy. In other words, you can communicate some bad things wearing a bow tie, but a true gentleman knows the right place for one. Uh, no, I'm gonna have to pass on that. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't have a, I don't really get to wear ties very often, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to pass on that for the moment. All right. Well, hot, not or sanctified, holiness bow ties, Tyler. Oh, I'm going with hot. They're pretty sweet. All right, the next thing, carrying hymnals and Bibles. And I almost picked up a shorter book of prayer, which is neither a hymnal or a Bible. But we have hymnals and Bibles with us today. Yes. All of us do. What do we think about that? The tradition of carrying those with you. Amanda? Um, I'm going to say hot, but again, I'm going to say more hot to the tradition of it than, than the, I guess, the medium of it. And the clarification in that is... Um, as Nazarenes, we're Protestant, evangelical, we don't have, um, and we're low church. Um, I mean, I know there's a trend now to kind of recapture some of those high church traditions, which I, I definitely think is a great idea, but we don't really have, we don't have liturgies. Um, until recently, we really weren't involved very much in using the lectionary and things like the common book of prayer or the shorter book of prayer. And what we did have was our hymnals. They gave us liturgy. They gave us the right, format. Right of how to structure our services, how to understand. You were talking about earlier about uh, funerals, and I think that's such a fantastic thing is to have these books that say, when you're in the midst of grief and you don't even know which way is up, there's a book that says, this is how we worship God even in our grief, even in the, the darkest times of our lives. So yes, in carrying hymnals and Bibles, this is a fantastic thing, whether it's on your phone, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a big thick book, printed from the 70s or earlier, the mediums may change. And just, just for a moment of clarifications, we're not asking the question of whether we should carry Bibles or not. I mean, obviously, it's minerals, the answer, yes. ministers, the answer is that is yes. We're talking about accompanying the Bible with a hymnal. hymnal. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yes. I think we should always, because obviously everything pertaining to us and our salvation is, is held within Scripture, everything we need to know about 
But there's good things in other books that help us order our lives, our days, and our years. And I think these accompanying books, whether again, it's Sing to the Lord or the Common Book of Prayer or the Shorter Book of Blessings, these things are very helpful. So hot. Absolutely. Anthony? I will say that shamefully I am hymnally illiterate per se. I'm not very familiar with everything that's in the hymnals, even though I really appreciate them. So um, I will say that from what I've observed um, from people who do know a lot about the hymnals and who from people who can just burst out hymns in the moment, I think that it's got a lot of good fruit to it. So I'm definitely going to say hot. And I would also add that there are lots of other compliments that people can carry as well along with their Bible and hymnals. So. I believe that hymnals could be uh, highly relatable at given times uh you know just like music there's certain music uh there's songs that that can relate to uh, events in your life and i'm sure that there's a majority of hymnal hymns out there that can relate to what's going on around you or in you or or you know with loved ones or whatever the situation is i could see why somebody would want to uh, take a hymnal to accompany their bible whenever they go out to do things all right and so are you saying hot not or sanctified i'm gonna say hot Hot. And I think you're right, because it, it is something that is relatable. People are in a oftentimes distressed situation. They want some way of communicating exactly how they feel, and they can oftentimes look within the hymnal and find something which can express that moment. And I think you're exactly right there. I, I think also, um, I'm not sure how I really want to word this, um, but it. I, I bet that they're a little more understandable. Uh, sometimes the scripture can be a little convoluted. And uh, I mean, I'll admit it, sometimes I get a little lost in, in the true meaning of what's being said, but hymns and songs in general, you can typically relate and understand a whole lot easier than some of the wording uh, in the scripture. No, I think you're exactly right. Oh, um, I, before we wrap up, uh, I want to segue back to the uh, hymnal topic. Can we do okay. that? Yeah. You know, there. I would say it's kind of like a meme in today's society you know they're they're kind of short to the point um there's a lot of meaning there and uh you know it's just kind of it it really relates um you know you see memes going around of, of various topics and they're just easy to grasp and you can relate to it on a on many different levels and to build off of what you're saying because i don't think you're trying to downgrade hymns to that level no, you're saying it's a no, deeper version of that yeah, and maybe yeah, exactly. we need to transition from meme thinking to something like the hymnals. <laughs> we need to we need to re-elevate our minds instead of lower them down. Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes they can be a little uh, little the standards on memes are typically pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> or they can get pretty low, but yeah, uh if you could if you could uh bring the hymnal thinking back, you know. Yeah. It, and I will say this <clears throat> to your point of bringing things back. A lot of the hymns throughout history have kind of been bad, but they've been filtered out. And the ones that have been of great quality have survived. And that's one of the things with the, the memes. The entry level is low and they may be forgotten in a few moments, but you need something which can really last. Well, right. thanks for joining us, Tyler. No problem. Thank you for having me.